Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you and helps you to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. Let's dive in. Psalm 23. If you guys have your Bibles, you can open it up there. It's not going to be a typical Mother's Day message today. I felt led to go in a different direction, uh, but we're going to wrap up this short series uh, entitled Followers. So we're going to stop the scroll. If you don't know what that means, it's kind of like when you're scrolling through social media and something grabs your attention and you stop the scroll and you kind of lean in for a moment. So we're going to stop the scroll in Psalm 23 this morning. And uh, if, if you notice our sound was a little bit, uh, maybe not the best this morning, our, our soundboard is literally tanking right now. It's dying, like as we speak. Um, so you can bless that thing. We're going to get a new one. Um, <laughs> Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Now, this is where we're going to land, is verse 4 today. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I want to speak to you around this idea is you were made to move. You were made to move. You have a call to movement. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help me to be sensitive to your voices as I preach. God, this is your message. This is your heart. And I just pray, God, that you would uh, give us all ears to hear and eyes to see, Lord. We want to encounter you, Jesus, today. So uh, let us not go through the motions. I pray, Lord, even if somebody was dragged to church today, bless them. Um, May they receive today, Lord, um, and really hear from heaven. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, I I think back with my mom. There was a time where God had called her to move. And it wasn't just a regular move. It was actually a big move. It was a move to St. Louis, Missouri. Her job was uh, moving, and she had the opportunity to take a severance or to go. Now, we have no family in St. Louis. We've never been to St. Louis. Um, It snows in St. Louis. Come on. It's different. If you've never lived in the snow and then you live in the snow for a season, it's a little bit crazy. Like, you need weird stuff. Like, you need to put, like, antifreeze in your locks and it's weird stuff. But she said she'd been praying. And so I was like, Mom, what are you going to do? Because I'm staying in the Bay forever, right? <laughs> I wasn't following Jesus at the time. And, uh, and she said, I- I've been praying, and I really feel like the Lord has called me to move. But it was hard because she didn't want to move. Like, her kids are here, her family's here, everything she knows. Like, to leave her boys to go to a foreign land, that is not an easy call. But she did it. And I followed her out there on vacation. I didn't move out there, but I followed her out there on vacation. And that vacation changed my life. That's where I rededicated my life to Jesus, and I stand before you today. So she did not know that that move was going to facilitate so much change. She could have easily stayed stuck here, but God was calling her to move. Now, now many of you, you're not called to, to move out of state. Don't move, people. You're not called to move out of state. Unless God actually calls you to. But we are all called to movement. The Bible says that God wants to take us from faith to faith and from glory to glory. Movement. God is on the move. Can I tell you, there's nothing worse than being stuck when you're called to move. It's the, it's the worst feeling. You guys ever been stuck financially? 
I went to fill up my gas tank, 100 bucks. Gives me a half a tank in my truck. I'm feeling stuck. And my crypto is down. It's getting scary. But, but there's nothing worse than being stuck. Some, some of you, you might be stuck on, in, in a career that you hate. Some of you guys feel stuck in a relationship. You're never supposed to feel stuck in a relationship. You may find yourself in a rut, but you don't want to feel stuck with that person. God has called you to movement. Some of you have been stuck in an addiction and a sinful pattern. It's the worst. I think the worst stuck of all, though, is, is stuck spiritually. Is when you're stuck spiritually, because that affects every other stuck. It's no fun. Anytime I speak about stuck, and we've talked about this before as a church, but anytime I think about stuck, I think of the doldrums. Now, the doldrums are an intertropical convergence zone found here in the Atlantic where the northern hemisphere winds and the southern hemisphere winds meet, and they cancel each other out. It's a place where there's no wind, there's no breath. In fact, if you sailed into the doldrums before motors were you know, boats had access to motors. It was, it was extremely dangerous. Normally, if you sailed into the doldrums, you weren't coming out. It could be days, weeks, months before any sign of help. People died of lack of water, food, turned to cannibalism, started to lose their mind out in the middle of the ocean with no wind. And it's one thing to be stuck, but there's another thing to not have control and, and, and not have the ability to get out of or start to move. So the doldrums is a place where you don't want still waters. You want rough waters because you want some wind. And some of us, man, we've been fighting for still waters, but we need some wind. See, the doldrums, you know that you've, sunk, you've sailed into the doldrums if, number one, if you say things like, I'll never forgive. Maybe you don't say that out loud, but in your heart, you just know. I'll never be happy. I'll never be happy with you. Nothing good will ever come from this. I quit. Gossiping is fine. I know God, but... Anybody ever been in those spaces? See, the devil is all about making waves. But sometimes he wants it to be still. Sometimes he wants there to be no breath, no wind, calm seas, no movement stuck. Matthew chapter four, the spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness for fasting and for praying. And and Satan comes and appeals to three things, the lust of his flesh. He says, go ahead and turn this bread into stone. It'll be a lot easier. What kind of a father would have you starve out here anyways? You got the power. Just turn this stone into bread. Lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. He says, showed him all the kingdoms of the world. See, man, you don't need to endure the cross. Don't you want some ease? Just bow your knee and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And then the pride of life. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Took him on to the high point of the temple said, why don't you just throw yourself off? It's a whole lot easier to be prideful than submit to what the Father is calling. Just, Just throw yourself off. Doesn't the word say that you won't even dash your foot against a stone? So there's sometimes Satan wants to cause waves, but sometimes he wants you to be at ease. He wants you to be stuck in a place of unforgiveness and I'll never be happy. And let let me show you what he wants. He wants to destroy your relationships. He wants to steal your joy. 
He wants to rob your hope, dismantle your purpose, divide your community, and hinder your follow. Just wants you stuck. Satan is always looking for your struggle, for my struggle, because it's an opportunity. But can I just tell you, ladies and gentlemen, there's good news here on this Mother's Day. Because listen, every time that we may be stuck, God is not. When we're stuck, God is not. You may feel like he is sometimes. Like, ah, where are you? Are you up there? You moving up there? But God is always on the move. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. And he's never stuck. I like to say it this way. It sounds very cliche. I'm not trying to be clever or creative. I'm almost hesitant to even say it because I get annoyed with some of like our statements as pastors sometimes. I always want to rhyme and have a little thing. But can I just say there's always a but to your stuck. You don't believe me? Let me show you. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and have it to the fullness. When God's going to destroy the earth because of sin, but God remembered Noah. Then Israel said to Joseph, behold, I am about to die, but God will be with you. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. David stayed in the desert strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Zippah day after day. Saul searched for him, but God did not give him into his hands. Do not be afraid or dismayed of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours. This is a word for somebody, but God's. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The roots of the mountains I sank down, stuck beneath the bared, the, uh, sunk, sunk down the earth beneath, bared me forever. But you, O oh Lord, my God, brought my life from the pit. God always has a butt to your stock. And I'm not done. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. You kill the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt, but God was with him. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Somebody better say amen on that. You don't think God can use you, but God chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to confuse the strong. Paul said, for which I'm suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not chained. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and you by nature were children of wrath like the rest of mankind, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together again with Christ. Mike, drop him out. Right, <laughs> just kidding. Because this is enough. If we, would just react, if we would just understand that God always has a butt to our stuck, and David understood that. That's why no matter how much David understood the doldrums, he refused to remain stuck. You see, David called the doldrums the valley of the shadow of death. David's like, man, this is a valley you don't want to be in. It's dark. There's shadows. Shadows can stop you in your tracks. They can paralyze you with fear, playing tricks on your mind. You ever look like, do I see something? Some of you guys are seeing something need to clean that house. Some of you guys got that. I'm talking about like demonic activity in your home, right? Trust me, you'll know if it's there. Confusion. Shadows bring confusion. You're like, is that? My dog the other night running along the back fence, big old beast looking like a bear. I'm like, there's a possum. Maybe there's a raccoon. I'm like, this brother is chasing his shadow. Like, dude, turn around. And so, so David, 
The context of, the, of this passage, David is on the run from King Saul. He's in danger at every moment. Saul wants to kill, his li- wants to kill him. He's hiding in a bunch of caves. This is the traditional spot for the cave of Abdullam where, where King David and his men would, would hide from Saul. And so you can imagine the shadows that David must have been facing. I mean, he's been anointed king, but it doesn't feel like it. You ever been anointed or have God promise you something, then it just feels like you're on the run? It's like, I feel so far away from what you told me. It doesn't feel like there's any movement. It's so easy to get stuck in that place. But it was in these moments that David just knew at any time Saul could arrive. Lots of shadows. And I think if we're honest, we all battle with shadows. And a lot of times, even when I say that, you're like, yeah, like there's one on my wall. Like, what kind of shadows are you talking about? Let me show you how Pete's, Pete's Casero, an emotional healthy leader, he, he talks about shadows like this. He says, shadows are the untamed emotions and behaviors that we have. They may be sinful. They may simply be weakness. Most importantly, they lie concealed just beneath the surface of our more proper selves. They may erupt in judgmental perfectionism, outbursts of anger, jealousy, resentments, lust, greed, murderous tendencies. At other times, they emerge through our need to rescue people, our seemingly endless need to be noticed, our inability to stop working, our isolation, our rigidity, our shadows, he said, are the damaged versions of who we are. They are the behaviors we use to protect ourselves from actually changing. We keep them hidden because they make us feel so vulnerable. So let me ask you again, anybody ever deal with shadows? And so did David. Like as a shepherd, he was familiar with them, but refused to remain stuck in them. David said, no, 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 I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, if you're in church, don't, if you've been in church for a long time, don't check out. I know you know this passage, but just, just lean in with me for a moment. David is given imagery of the shepherd and his sheep. David knew that it's impossible for the sheep to pass through the valley successfully, to have movement in the valley apart from the shepherd. Now, I don't think this was just like uh, David was just speaking metaphorically. Well, he was speaking metaphorically, but I think there was an actual place that he had in mind because when he was younger, he used to tend his father's sheep. And there's this road called the road to Jericho. It's, it's the road where the Good Samaritan, um, uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan is found when there was a gentleman walking down the road he gets robbed, beat up, left for dead, and the Good Samaritan comes. That, that valley. Because this, this is what it looks like. So you can see it's, 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 it's easily to have a valley of shadows. And King David would have led his father's sheep, I mean, from, from Bethlehem. I mean, you just get this, this picture. He would, they, they, sheep, sheep and shepherds would go far to find good and green pasture. So, so David is very familiar with the valleys. But he knew that a sheep by itself will get stuck. Just like a ship in the doldrums is like a sheep without a shepherd. We, we get stuck in the shadows. So, so what, what did David do? David made a decision in the doldrums. He said, I will fear no evil. You always have to decide in the doldrums. You have to make a decision. Like, man, even if this boat is stuck, I'm jumping out and I'm swimming. Whatever, like, we're gonna, I'm going to paddle this thing. But how many of you guys know you don't get very far on your own? Imagine trying to push a shit, a little, dog, little you know, kick paddle. Come on, boys. I, maybe you get, I mean, you might move this ship a little bit. 
But David just knew apart from the shepherd, you're stuck. So he had to make a decision in the valley. I will fear no evil. And then he goes on to tell us why. He said, I could either get stuck in the valley or I can walk with the shepherd on higher ground. He says, for you are with me. Like this is David's secret. One of the secrets to David's life, the secret to his success, he just really believed this. And everything, God, you are with me. Like, I, like, like, like you got me. The valleys are inevitable. The doldrums were all going to face them. David, as a shepherd, he just knew. Like sometimes to get to the green pastures and the still waters and get to the good grazing areas, you just would have to go through the valley. You don't want to stay there. But you want to go through. Yes. See, David understood something about shadows, but he also understood something about light. He says this in Psalm 139. He says, even the darkness is not dark to you, O God. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. See, wherever there's a shadow, there has to be light. There's no shadow without light. And so when you're in the valley, when you're in the doldrums, the goal isn't to stare at the shadow. The goal is to find the presence of light. Wow. Like, like my dog is running on the back fence. All he needs to do is like, turn around, bro. Like the, the, the dining room light is on. You're okay. You're, you're going you're gonna to be fine. And so, so we need to look at the light. See, the only thing that separates an unbeliever from a believer, it's not shadows. There's always going to be valleys. There's always going to be shadows. It's not the absence of shadows. It's the presence of light. It It says we don't have to stay stuck in the darkness, focused on the darkness, but we can turn to the light. And so David just knew this. And that's why no matter what situation, no matter how bad it was, he always found a way to move with God. So there was a couple of decisions that, that David made that I think can help us on this journey today. Number one is this, is that we have to choose to receive God's correction. You're going to get a Mother's Day spanking today. <laughs> we got to choose to receive God's correction. Love how Job says it. Job understands this a little bit. He says, blesses the one whom God corrects. For real? You guys ever feel blessed when you get corrected? So blessed. I got a spanking. My kids never, dad, I just know you love me so much. Even though if you ask them, if you ask my kids, like, what, what, like what, is a spanking important? And they'll be like, oh, like my, like, my parents love me. Like, if you're going to spank me or ground me or put me on a timeout, you love me. But it says, so do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. For he wounds, but he also binds up. Huh. He injures, but his hands also heal. So it's a little bit strange. It's like, man, God, like, you injure? Like, I thought you were just always supposed to heal. Well, yeah, sometimes there's a little bit of pain before the healing. Sometimes there's a little bit of correction. And David got this. So in Psalm 23, he he talks about the rod and the staff. And he says, they comfort me. See, a lot of times when you've been in church for a long time, you read the rod and your staff, they comfort me. But I have no idea what the rod and staff are. Because honestly, the rod doesn't seem very comforting at first. It's very short. It's stubby. It's different than the staff, but it's used to both correct and protect the sheep. We see the rod in the hand of Moses. There was nothing amazing about the rod. It's a stick, but it was what was behind it, what it represented. And for Moses, we see it represented the authority of God. We saw Moses at the Red Sea, and God says, man, stretch out that, your hands. Stretch out that rod over that sea. 
I'm going to show you my power. I'm going to show you my glory. Man, put that thing in the Nile, and it turns to blood. It was a thus saith the Lord. Pharaoh understood the rod. He understood the plagues. He saw the power. And it had nothing to do with the rod. It had everything to do with the authority of God. And so the shepherd takes the rod and and what he does with the sheep, because sheep tend to wander. So there's a few things that the rod would do. Sheep wander and it's dangerous. Sheep aren't the sharpest tools in the shed if you didn't know. And when they would wander, sometimes they can get stuck in ravines. They can go right off of cliffs. Sheep are like us sometimes. They'll eat, but they're not paying attention. What they're eating all the time, or they'll just eat and never look. And so they're just eating, eating and walking and wandering, eating, eating. And so eventually they're full, but they're lost. And so I just thought, man, sometimes we, we, what we're feasting on Sometimes we're feasting and we're consumed with all of these things that we have these relevatory moments where we look up and we're like, I've been consuming so much, but I'm so far away from the shepherd. And so, so what does the shepherd do? The shepherd, uh, traditionally, I don't think they do this anymore. It was kind of debated that some shepherds did this, some shepherds didn't, but, but they would take the rod and they would just put a slight fracture in the wandering sheep's leg. Not, not damage them, not abuse them, right? PETA still wouldn't have been okay with it, but they just put a little slight fracture. You guys didn't catch the PETA one. It's all good, though. Uh, put a little slight fracture in the leg. But it wasn't abuse. He would carry the sheep then on his shoulders. Isn't it so cute when you see these photos? Like, oh, Lord, that's what the Lord does to me. I'm like, this sheep just got a whooping. Like, changes the perspective a little bit. Or he's injured or, or something took place. But, but, but then the, the shepherd would nurture the sheep by himself because it couldn't function as well on his own. So he'd feed the sheep, let the sheep get to know his voice, know his touch, know his care. But can I just tell you, to, to try to persuade you that correction is great and is comforting, and it's a hard sell today. Because none of us like correction. We just don't, I, I remember, to, uh, or, or none of us like painful things even if they'll lead to greater things. Like getting my kids shots for their school, like trying to persuade them, daddy loves you. They're gonna stick you with the needle, but it's for the greater good, right? They're like, oh, it's, it, it's a tough sell. And I think sometimes with the Lord, we don't realize that it's, it's sometimes what is painful, it leads to peace. And we're gonna see that in just a moment. So, so sometimes you have to fracture with the rod a little bit, give him a nice little, little spanking. Other times when the, the sheep would graze toward poisonous plants, he would throw the rod. So how many of you guys know you want a skilled shepherd? Like, like Because <laughs> the shepherd's gonna throw it right by where you're eating, right by your head. You don't have a skilled shepherd, you might catch one on the cheek. Are you guys tracking with me? And they just know right away, like, oh, this is not good for me to eat. I, I need to stay away. Some of you guys have been getting beat up. Like the Lord's been throwing 10 rods at you, and you just keep eating. You're like, bam, bam, stubborn sheep. But I really felt the Lord impress on my heart for some today that you have had some false shepherds recently that have been throwing things at you, and it's not helping you. It's hurting you. It's wounding you. It's promising fulfillment, but it's wounding you. And they're just letting you graze on everything that's unhealthy. 
They're saying, yes, this is, get, eat that. And the Lord is like, wake up. I got something better for you. See, the, the sheep would also pass under the rod. Ezekiel 20 verse 37 says, I take note of you as you pass under my rod and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. See, the rod wasn't only a sign of, of authority and control in the sheep's life. It was used for careful examination. As the sheep were coming in and out of the fold, they wanted to make sure, number one, they were accounted for, and they would hold the rod out over the sheep's wool because it was so hard to get into the sheep's wool. They would hold it out so as the sheep would pass by, they would look for signs of disease. They would look for defect, defective areas. Philip Keller probably does the best work on this. Another look at Psalms 23. He says this, for example, at a sheep show, an inferior animal can be clipped and shaped and shown as to appear a perfect specimen. But the skilled judge will take his rod, part the sheep's wool to determine the condition of the skin, the cleanliness of the fleece, and the conformation of the body. In plain language, one does not pull the wool over his eyes. So it's like nothing can slide. But it's, it's a very personal moment. Keller continues, he says, as each animal comes out of the corral and through the gate, it is stopped by the shepherd's outstretched rod. He opens the fleece with the rod. He runs his skillful hands over the body. He feels for any sign of trouble. He examines the sheep with care to see that all is well. This is a most searching process entailing every intimate detail. It is to a, com it is to a comfort to the sheep, for only in this way can its hidden problems be laid bare before the shepherd. We get scared of that. A lot of times we can't receive correction because we never let God diagnose. We never, never let him close enough to search. But see, David refused to be stuck. So David lived a life where he just would say, search me, oh God. Like, I understand what it means to be under the rod of the shepherd. I'm not trying to get stuck in the doldrums. Search me. Try me. Know my anxious thoughts. That's intimate language. Like, I want you know my innermost being. Like, I want you to know, see if there's any hurtful way on the inside of me or sinful or wicked way on the inside of me. That is a bold, vulnerable prayer. But David understood the movement on the other side of that. See, some of you guys, the Lord has been like, come under my rod. And you're like, no, keep your rod to yourself. Don't touch my wool. And God's like, let me examine you. Let me bind you up. Let me heal you. The enemy's robbing you. Don't do that. I want to help you. And you're like, no, I don't want to move forward. I don't want to. I'd rather be stuck. I don't want to deal with. I don't want to have. I, don't search me. Are you pulling me over? <laughs> right? like, don't search me. David's like, no, 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 you're, gonna, you're, you're not going to be stuck in the valley of the shadow of death. In that place, I think some of us are stuck in the valley of the shadow of stubborn. Wow. And God is like, I got so much more for you, but I just don't want you to search me. <laughs> Gave you a little glimpse, right? So, so let me say this. The, the rod is a great picture of the, of the authority of the word of God. The word of God works as a great rod in our life. So when we tell you, hey, we want you to go through the one-year Bible with us, we're not trying to persuade you to, like, jump on a bandwagon. This is our strategy for the year. This is what we, really, we want to read through the Bible in a year so we can. No, no, no. You need to come up under the rod. I need to come up under the rod. Listen, you're going to be built up and encouraged through the word of God, but Paul said it's also a tool for correction and training in righteousness. 
And can I just tell you, on the other side of that, it is blessed. It's a blessed thing. God is trying to bring healing. God is trying to be, God is trying to, to, to bring some correction to some areas. He's trying to point out some defective places and areas. He's trying to bring you to a place of health. And I'm just telling you, you saw Shrek. This is Shrek. Shrek was on his own in 2005. He was on his own for six years, straight from the shepherd, away from the shears, outside of the rod, hiding in caves. And the bro survived. Barely, but he was stuck. They said he was just stuck in caves. 60 pounds of excess wool. You can make 20 suits out of this dude's wool. Outside of the shepherd's care for six years, trying to figure out life on his own. Anybody been there? So I'm just going to figure this out, God. I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to work. I'm just, I'm going to work it out. I'm going to I don't need to talk to anybody. I'm just going to work this out. I don't need a small group. But he's telling me, you know, getting in my business. See, we know. Like, like it's funny because we know. And then we accumulate an extra weight that we're never designed to, to bear. Is he wasn't designed to carry this weight. Can I just tell you, though, you can wander from the shepherd and you can be here every single week and be lost. Or you could be lost outside of the house of God. See, the, the story of the prodigal son is really the story of two sons, not one. One was lost religiously in the house of God, close to the father, but far. The other one was lost outside of the father's house, living wild and crazy like we would expect, right? But anytime we let bitterness or immorality or indifference or rebellion in our heart, can I just tell you what that equals? It equals weight. And God's like, man, my shears, so much more liberating. Like you come up under him, let him part that stuff. You know, it said that this guy's um, wool was so hard, hard as a rock in some places. See, the further you get away from the shepherd, the Bible says in the last days that the love of many will grow cold. That sometimes when we live in constant rebellion and sinful, we're constantly living in sin and in rebelliousness, it doesn't bother us as much anymore as it once used to because our, our hearts get seared, like our conscience gets seared like with an iron. We just stray from the shepherd. We get harder and harder and harder. But the reality is, is nothing is too bad. For, nothing is too difficult for the shepherd. Like the shepherd figures it out. Shrek is living his best life now. How many of you guys know a weight's been lifted off his shoulders? I mean, let's just get a look at that one more time. Like, like just look at this dude. How are you going to even run from an enemy? That brother's waddling at this point. Got his legs back. Look at him. But see, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 says this. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. It's just not, it's not fun. But look at, but afterwards there will be a peaceful harvest of right living. Can I tell you, when it comes to the correction of God, on the other side of pain, there's peace. And there's right living. And can I tell you, when you're living right, you can go through any valley, face any shadow, and you can breathe still. You can still move. See, getting, listen, movement with God doesn't mean you're just going to like enter the valley and, oh, I'm, okay, Lord, I'm with you and we're out. No, no, no. The Lord has to lead us through. So that through could be a month, it could be a year, it could be three, it could be four, it could be five. The question isn't, are you in the, the valley? The question is, are you moving with the shepherd? 
as long as you're moving with the shepherd, you're in good hands. And when there's correction, when it comes, just know that that pain will result in peace. And so if you come to Jesus, yeah, everything's going to be good, but not everything's going to feel good. When God corrects you, when God calls you, I let that sink in your heart just for a moment. That even though you're in the presence of a loving Savior, when God is calling you to do things that you don't want to do, it's painful. When he's calling you to serve and you want to be mean, it's painful. When he's calling you to go and you want to stay, it's painful. When he's calling you to trust and you don't want to trust, it's painful. But a lot of times we don't want to, we have a hard time receiving God's correction because number two, we haven't made a choice like David to number two is rely on his protection. And so the, the staff, let me just wrap it up here. The staff is a symbol of comfort. The staff, rod's a little bit more, a little bit of comfort, a little bit of pain. The staff is about pulling, it's about closeness with the sheep. It's about intimate fellowship. He wouldn't beat the sheep with the staff, but sometimes he would rest it on the sheep just to like, hey, I'm here. If we're walking along a gravel path, he'd put a little pressure like, watch your step. Like, we're in this together. And so David understood that it was so important to stay close to the shepherd. It was so important to stay close to the shepherd. Because as long as he was close to the shepherd, he can face anything and everything that's bigger than himself. Like, he understood the reality of relying on God and the outcomes of that. It allowed him to face things that were bigger than himself with confidence and boldly. He said, I will fear no evil. None. You are with me. When he fought Goliath, this is before Psalm 23, anointed as king, steps to the plate to fight Goliath. The entire army is, is, is afraid, including King Saul. And David's like, put me in. I'll go fight him. And they have this little debate, and David says this. He says, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them. You see the attitude in David? He's going to be just like him. I already know. You guys are looking to yourself. I'm looking to God. He says, for the Lord who rescued me. A lot of times we think the story of David and Goliath is about David. It's not about David. Even David pointed away from him. So it's about God. He says, the Lord rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. And he'll rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, well, go ahead, bro. And the Lord be with you. David's like, he is. And you're about to see the demonstration of that. He's also with you. You just failed to recognize that, King Saul. It's amazing. One does not live in the reality of what's true and cowers back stuck in fear. The other presses forward, living in light of the reality of the truth and creates a movement when everybody else is stuck. So David just knew. David was confident. He said, it was the Lord. This is the covenant name God, Yahweh, the great I am, the self-existing one, the first, the last, the beginning, and the end. David's like, oh, you, you must be mistaken. You think I'm, 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 I'm trusting in the sling? Because Goliath was mocking him. Like, who are you saying how to me? David's like, oh, you're tripping, man. You think this is the instrument? This is just a, like a tool. <laughs> He's the instrument. And you're about to get slaughtered by a little boy. Because... I'm trusting in the covenant name of God. God has made a covenant with us and his people. You shouldn't be mocking him like that. 
He is the alpha, the omega, the first and the last. David said, I'm relying on the I am. Because my bow is subject to change, my spear is subject to change, my sling, I may have a good day or a bad day. But God doesn't look to anything outside of himself because he is everything. See, anytime that we say I am, we got to add something to that. I am trying. I am going for it. I am afraid. I am awesome. God just says, I am. I'm everything that I need and everything that you need. I am the self-existing one. And your limitations, I am unlimited. And David just caught that simple truth. But he just lived like that. It was real for Saul too. He just couldn't, he just had a hard time grasping it. I feel a lot like Saul sometimes. I'm like, man, God, help me to just live like David. But I think we all have moments where it's like, I just, oh, I just, like, I know God, but. But David's like, this is the key to my emotional distress. This is it. I rely on him to protect me. The I am. You know, when you come to a place where you can't fix it or control it, it's, it's really a gift. You know, there was a, a true story. Let me take you back to 18, I think, 1858, 1854. A ship sailed into the doldrums. No motors, no engines. And the captain was like, man, we've done everything. We're stuck. Frustrated. Staring out to a calm sea desperate of some wind. So there's four guys, four believers on the ship. They said, hey, uh, Captain, can we be relieved from our duties? We're going to go pray. Is it cool if we do that? And the Captain's like, you're going to pray? It's like, we've done all we can do. Fine, go and pray. I'm going to tend the ship. So they went to pray. They came back. They said, hey, Captain, we dropped the sail. He's like, guys, there's no wind. They said, I know, but we prayed. So what else are you going to do? I mean, he's just going to try anything, right? So he's like, man, let down one of the sails. And there was a little bit of breath. Know in that moment, all of a sudden it's like, huh? All right, guys, we'll try one more. It's like, let down all the sails, and wind began to blow, and they made it outside of the doldrums. See, sometimes we have a hard time experiencing God because our dependency is always shifting. Like our dependency has conditions. If it's like this, I feel like I can handle it. If it's like this, I'm maybe God. Or sometimes not until we get to a point where we have nothing. Can I just tell you, coming to the end of yourself is a gift. It's a gift from God. It's a grace on your life. Because you're called to move. But many times we're trying to move on our own. And David just knew, good luck. Get a lot of shadows. So let me just ask you two questions. Have you been avoiding God's correction rather than receiving it? I felt like in prayer last night, there may be somebody in here that's cheating on your spouse. I don't know if it's with another person or if it's on the internet. But you need to lean in today. Because God is pursuing you. There's others of you 
you have just you've just been on the run. You're hard. And you know it. You're calloused. But you keep showing up because you know. And God's like, let me search you. Come up under my rod. Some of you guys have been feasting on things that you have no business feasting about. Are you running from his correction or are you receiving it? I'm telling you, there's peace on the other side of that pain. You're already in pain. But there's peace on the other side of that. You're, you're called to move. Let me ask you a second question. You think, no, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Okay, how, how are you, is your posture right now in life, is it confidence or fear? Like, how, do, how does it go when things get stuck? Do you lose your cool and, and start jumping to your shadows, outbursts of anger and, and frustration? And just, I don't know, there's no peace, no confidence. You may not be looking to the I am, you're still looking to the I am. And God is saying, no, 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 no. There's peace on the other side of that pain. You're going to have to swallow your pride, though. Pride is a whole lot easier than submission, let me tell you. It would have been way cooler to jump off the temple and have the angels pick you up and submit to the Father's will and go to the cross. It's, it's, it can be way easier. But it doesn't work. Pride will never end in peace. You may get your way, but you'll never have peace. There's peace on the other side of that painful correction. And there is a confidence for your shadows. There's a confidence to deal with those things that we don't want to touch because they're too vulnerable. Just keep them hidden. And God's like, it's Mother's Day. You came out of the womb bare naked. Like it or not. And it's time to do the same thing before God, stripping ourselves bare, saying, Lord, here I am again. You put me here. You search me. Everything. Where's your confidence? Let me pray for you, Father, in Jesus' name. As we go today, I just thank you that condemnation causes us to run from you. Conviction causes us to move toward you. Can I tell you that the Lord is not here to condemn you today? He's here to heal you. He's here to reveal some of those defective areas. Maybe you're here today and you've been away from God. Maybe you've been inside of the house. Like you've been coming to church your whole life, but you're lost. And you're like, man, today I need to surrender my life to Jesus today. If you're here today, would you just slip up your hand? Nobody's looking at you. Don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed. Is there anybody here in this service? I would say, I need to surrender my life to Jesus, afresh and anew today. Yeah, I see your hand. Thank you. So good. So good. Anybody else that would say, that's me. Maybe you've been away from God. I see your hand, sir. Thank you. It's just time to come home. It's time to come. Listen, whoo, life with the shepherd. It's going to be valleys. It's so much better with him, I promise. Anybody else say, I need, to, I need to go all in today. Don't let your pride stop you. Don't let fear get a hold of you. You're called to move. I'm going to ask one more time. Online, let us know if that's you. We'd love to pray with you. Anybody else say, that's me, Pastor Matt. Awesome. Well, listen, if you slipped up your hand, we're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray with you. I'm going to give you the words, but you make them your own, like wedding vows. And church, can we pray with them to say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead. 
You took my pain and the punishment that I deserve so I could have your peace in every valley. And with you, I know I can make it through. So I confess my sin to you. Lord, I'm releasing, I'm un... I'm letting go of myself, of my ways, and I'm turning to you. I give you the reins. I ask that you'd forgive me, fill me with your spirit. I'm coming under the rod today. Teach me your word. Give me a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Heal me in Jesus' name. Thank you again for tuning in to The Fountain Podcast, where our heart is to lead people to see Jesus clearly, love Him deeply, and follow Him wholeheartedly. You can also find more content by following us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and by downloading our app.